righteousness. And then to come here on a Sunday and then to give that to you, to share that with you, because I believe that that's what God has for us as we look into this city that we love, this country that we adore, and this continent, man, that is oh so amazing. What does a life look like that's anchored in God and that's full of courage? What does that look like? And so we spent the first week talking about thinking big, that if you want to be courageous, you have to think big. And, and what we meant by that is have a bigger view of who God is. You have to have a bigger view of who God is. You have to be able to look at your uncertainty, look at your problems, and go, you know what, my God who I love and serve is bigger than those. We had to think big. And then last week we spoke about overcoming fear. So if I'm thinking big, that leads me to, to overcome fear. And how we did that, how we looked at that was unpacking what a life looks like that's been overcome by fear. If you've been gripped by fear, what does that look like? And, and we did that so that you can evaluate for yourself when you've been gripped by fear, when you've allowed fear to control you. And then we landed the plane last week by saying, well, if, if you're anchored in God, if you're secure in Him, what that leads to is you totally relying on Him. Looking at whatever uncertainty lies ahead, whatever challenges or problems are in your life, and going, you know what, I'm going to choose to completely and totally rely on God. And that's what will get me through where I need to be and what I'm going through. And so this week, I want to talk about a leap of faith. A leap of faith. What, what does that mean? We hear it so often in the church. If you've been around Christians for a while, you, you'll hear them talk about this, this leap of faith that we ought to take. But what does that mean? What does that look like? And so I want to spend this morning unpacking that a little bit. But I want to start by saying this. It hit me this week in prepping for this Sunday that if you're a Christian, so if you've crossed the line of faith, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, then here's a truth that is so beautiful and it's, and it's a promise that is yes in Christ for you, is that we, we don't work for victory. We don't work for victory, but rather we work from victory. I mean, that's, that's a massive game changer. When you're standing in the midst of your challenge and you're going, man, I need victory over this, it's not that you need to work for it, but rather you work from it. And that's a beautiful truth and one that we can anchor ourselves in because Jesus not only lived the perfect life that you and I couldn't live, not only did he die the death that you and I deserved, but he resurrected. And then he ascended to heaven. He is now seated at the right hand of the Father in all glory, in all victory. And here's the thing, if you've crossed the line of faith, that is your position of standing. That is your positional standing. And, and yes, for, for now, it's difficult and it's challenging and we, we wrestle. We wrestle against sin. But the reality is my eternal standing is with Him, seated at the right hand of the Father. And to be honest, in hearing that, we should be able to go, you know what, that's such a beautiful truth. Uh, we should just pack up and go home and live to the glory of God. We should. I should. But the reality is, I forget. I'm like the Israelites in the desert. We spoke about this last week, that, that God has done miracle after miracle after miracle, and the greatest one being drawing me out of darkness into his marvelous light. And yet, at the first sign of trouble, I begin to grumble like the Israelites do. I begin to grumble just like they did. And I forget I forget that I serve a God who is more powerful than we could ever imagine. I need to work from victory. But we are forgetful. And so it's necessary for us to keep coming back to the Scriptures and being reminded of our positional standing. We need to be reminded of that. And so as we talk about taking a leap of faith, I want you to, to put that in the back of your mind. That we don't work for victory but rather we work from victory because of what Jesus has done on the cross. But this morning as we talk about taking a leap of faith, I, I want us to, to look at the life of Abraham, and we're not going to go deep into it. 
In fact, I would encourage you to go back home and read it for yourselves. Uh, we're going to Genesis 12 to about Genesis 23. It talks about the, the life of Abraham. And so again, I'd encourage you guys to go and read it. We're just going to, some brush strokes, some highlights. And then we'll go to different passages of Scripture to, again, try to figure out what, what does a life look like that, that, that takes a leap of faith in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of challenges and troubles. And so we're going to be in Genesis 12. This is where God calls Abraham to leave his family, to leave his home, and to go to a land that he has promised him. So much uncertainty there. But yet Abraham goes. We're going to look at Genesis 17 and 18 where God says to Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. At your old age, I'm going to give you a son. And the faith that was required to to trust and to believe that God would do that. And then Genesis 23. Many of us know this story, the story of Abraham and Isaac, where God says, I want you to go sacrifice your son. Go up to the mountain, and I want you to sacrifice your son. So we're going to look at those stories as we go through our different points, hoping to understand what it means to take a leap of faith. If we want to be courageous, we need to take a leap of faith. And so I'm going to pray before we go in. I'm going to pray for you. I ask that you would pray for me, that God would do something more powerful than we could ever imagine right here this morning, that he would open up our hearts and that we would receive from him. So let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity to gather as your people. What a privilege it is. And and every Sunday, I'm reminded I'm reminded that there are so many other brothers and sisters who gather in secret in different parts of the world because of persecution. But by your grace, you allow us to do this freely in our context. And so the same Holy Spirit that moves in those places, would you move here? We need you, Holy Spirit. We need you to soften our hearts and open them up so that we might receive your word. Father, we want to see you for who you are. We want to be able to live lives that are courageous. Especially in times like this when there's so much uncertainty, there's so much unrest. Help us to be courageous for you and for your kingdom. And so I ask that you would remove any barriers that are here this morning so that we might hear from you Clearly, and so it's to that end that I ask that you would stand in my body, think through my mind, speak through my mouth those things you'd have us know, say, and do. We love you. We praise you. It's for your beautiful name. Amen. Amen. And so as we talk about taking a leap of faith, the, the, the first thing I want to say to you, the first thing that I see throughout the Scriptures and that's evident in the life of Abraham, is that you should not let your age hold you back. You should not let your age hold you back. We see in Genesis 18 when when God makes this promise to Abraham, to Abraham and, and Sarah, his wife. He says, listen, I'm going to give you a child. Abraham was 100, Sarah was 90 impossible. How how can we have children? But notice in Genesis 18 verse 9 to 11, they said to him, where is Sarah? This is God had, had come to meet with Abraham and he had two angels. That's the they here. So they said to him, where is Sarah your wife? And he said, she is in the tent. This is Abraham now speaking. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the, tent, at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of a woman had ceased to be with Sarah. So hear this, verse 12. Sarah laughed to herself saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? She laughs. Upon hearing this promise that God says, Listen, Abraham, Sarah, I'm going to give you a child. She laughs. It's like, I'm too old. She looks at her own body and goes, there's no ways this will ever happen. There's no ways that this will ever happen. 
Now, as a church plant, I know we don't have uh, many, and I've got to say this correctly, we, we don't have many mature individuals in our community. But I know for many of you, for many of you, you, you sometimes feel like you're too old to do what God has called you to. You feel like too much has happened in your life. And so when, when God says, listen, this is what I want to do in you and through you, you go, you know what? Maybe not. Maybe not. Or maybe you've got too many responsibilities now. I'm married and I have children. There's, there's no ways that God would call me to that place to go and share the gospel with that unreached people group. There's, there's, there's just no ways that I could do it. I'm too old. Sarah laughed at the thought of having a child. But God promised. God promised. See, the other side of that coin is very true. Is that many of us might actually think, you know what, I'm too young. I'm too young to, to, to do what God says he'll do through me. Way too young. But listen to Paul's words to Timothy. Timothy was a, a, a young brother in the church but had been called up to, to lead a church, to lead a community of people. And so, and so Paul says this to him because I can only imagine as a, as a young brother uh, standing in front of a congregation where there's people of different ages, many of them older than I am, and going, you know what? I don't know if God's called me to this. I am way too young. Paul says to him in Timothy 4.12, 1 Timothy, let no one despise you for your youth. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Just because you're young, it doesn't mean that God can't use you. But rather, because you're young, because you're young, because you're old, because the situation doesn't look right, that's when God loves to move. We spoke about this in the first portion of this series where we said God loves to work in impossibility. Where you look and, and you go, you know what, it'll never happen. I'm, I'm not educated enough. I'm not rich enough. I don't have enough resources. I don't know a whole lot about the scriptures. It's in those moments where we are to take a leap of faith and we're to trust God and we're to anchor ourselves in Him. Because it's not you doing the work, but it's Him. God is at work. If God makes a promise, He's faithful to it. Don't let your age hold you back. You could easily say, don't let your circumstances hold you back. See, many of us, we look for excuses. And that's what they are. They're excuses. And we forget that we serve a God who is over those situations and realities and challenges and problems. And that he loves, hear this, he loves to operate through those circumstances. Because he knows he's going to get the glory. People are going to look and go, man, how, how, how did you do that? There's no ways that you could have done that. You're too old. You're too uneducated. You're not good enough. And our one response is that it's God who moves. And we give Him the glory. Don't let your age or your circumstances hold you back. But the second thing is don't back away from opportunities. We spoke about this in the first part and in the second part. I found it necessary to talk about it again because I, I see it throughout the scriptures time and time again. Don't back away from opportunities. Genesis 12. God shows up and says to Abraham, I want you to leave your home. I want you to leave this place of comfort. And I want to lead you to the promised land. I want to take you to this, to this place where I will make you the father of all nations. That's a promise that he made to Abraham. We see this in Genesis 12. I'll read from verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, that was his name 
I found this really, really cool. That was his name before God changed it to Abraham. Abram means the exalted father. That was the name that his father had given to him. Exalted father. That's a really cool name. The only problem is once you get to 40, 50, 60, and you don't have any kids, then it's kind of like, man, I wish I didn't have this name. I'm the exalted father, but I don't have any kids. And so God says, listen, I'm going to change your name. How man has defined you, I'm going to change that. I'm going to change that because I have a plan for you. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Abraham hears that and then watch what he does. So Abraham went as the Lord told him. God speaks to Abraham and his response is, okay, I'm not missing out on this opportunity. I'm going. Is that your response when God moves in your life? Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't seek counsel and wisdom. Now, that's important. I know many people will go, you know what? Uh, is that a wise move to make? You're changing a lot. When I decided to leave my eight to five in the consulting space, I felt this, this tug from God going, listen, I, I want you to, to start this church. I was like, man, I, I, I want to be obedient, but, but should I not seek counsel? You should. The scriptures go on and on and on about, about seeking wisdom and seeking counsel. Notice in Proverbs 11 verse 14. For a lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. Proverbs twelve fifteen: the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 15, verse 22, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't seek counsel. But at the same time, don't back away from opportunities. When God calls you to something, Take that leap of faith. See, when I read the Old Testament, man, I, I sit and I go, I wish, I wish that God would speak in an audible voice to me the same way he spoke to Abraham, the same way he spoke to Moses. That would be so cool. And I'm not saying that God doesn't do it anymore. Who am I to limit God? Who am I to put God in a box? I will never say that. But at the same time, don't be that person sitting in your room going, I'm waiting for God to speak to me. I'm waiting to hear from God. Because here's the thing. God has spoken. God is speaking. Right here. Through his word. I say this time and time again. See, the problem with the, the, the Christian, the, the problem with many of us, the problem with me, is that I don't know God as I ought to. Because I don't know the scriptures as I ought to. And so I often sit and wonder, it's like, man, is, is God working? Is God speaking? Like, where is he? He's right here. He's spoken to us. He's speaking to us through his very word. My question is, are we listening? Are you listening? Don't back away from opportunities. And we spoke about this in the the first part of the series, that, that often we will wait for ideal conditions. So we'll hear from God and go, okay, cool. God, I hear you. You're calling me to take a leap of faith. But I'm going to wait for, for the best conditions. Because right now it doesn't really look that good. My bank account isn't where I want it to be. Maybe I'm still studying. Situation at work isn't that great. So I'm going to hang back and wait for the best condition. Then I'll move. But that's not how God operates. That is not how God operates. You can calculate as much as you want, but here's the thing. At some point, you've got to jump in. At some point, you've got to move. 
at some point you've got to take that step. It's like this, this game. I was talking to my wife last night and almost made the mistake of saying, I think this is a game that black people used to play. And my wife looks at me and goes, no, that's not a game we used to play. I don't know where you learned that from. And so that was a, a massive cultural reality in our home. But it's where one person stands on this end and the other person stands on the other and you've got two ropes and then you're kind of going like this. Do you guys know this game? Yeah? You guys ever played it? And then the, the, you, what you've got to do is you stand outside and then you've got to jump in and you start jumping through the rope, right? You guys know the game, right? Okay, cool. Uh, here's the thing. I, I think I played it once or twice. I wasn't that great at it. And I would stand and look at it, and, and it's like I'm waiting for the ideal moment for me to jump in. And so I'm calculating. I'm going, okay, the rope's going like this, and it's going at this speed, and I'm doing all of that in my head. But here's the, I'm still, st- I stand. And I stand. And, and the two people are going, bro, at some point you've got to get in. You've got to get into this game, bro, at some point. And I'm going, I'm, I'm going, to, I'm going to do it. Just wait. I'm going to do it. I'm waiting. I'm going to do it now. Just hold on. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And I, eventually, they just go, you know what? This is never going to happen. We're out. <laughs> That's how we are sometimes with God. God's calling you to take this leap. He's calling you to be courageous. Calculate. Seek counsel, seek wisdom, but at some point, you've got to jump in. You've got to take that step. And like we saw with Benaniah and the lion, these opportunities rarely come at the best time or the best place. Rarely do they do that. It's usually in in a challenging season, in a time of uncertainty, that God goes, hey, what? I want to call you to something. I want to call you to do something. Over my short life, I've seen that the the greater the risk, the greater the uncertainty, the greater the faith that is required. Think of Abraham. He was 75 when God called him to leave. I'm pretty sure the brother was comfortable. Had his retirement plan in place. Was just chilling. And God says, listen, I want to call you. I want to call you to this land that I've promised. It wasn't the best time. 75, wasn't the best time. But the scriptures tell us that he went. Rounded up some family and he went. Faith requires us to trust God regardless of the uncertainty. And like I said, uncertainty usually, usually comes when there's a crisis in our lives. That's when God usually calls us to something is when there's a crisis in our lives. We spent a long time talking about this last week that, that the Christian life, the Christian life is, is you're either walking into a fire, currently in a fire, or coming out of a fire. This side of heaven. Guys, and, and I know there's lots of guys out there preaching health, wealth, and prosperity. And boy, do I want some of that. But I don't see it in the scriptures. When I look at my heroes in the scriptures, it's not always great. They're either walking into a fire currently in one or walking out of one. But the thing that's the same is that they are anchored in God. They are trusting in Him. They are taking those steps of faith. But here's the cool thing. Is that it's in those times of crisis, of uncertainty, that's when we grow the most. Think about it for yourself. When have you grown the most spiritually? It's usually when you have to trust God intensely. It's usually when something isn't going well in your life and you're going, man, I've gotten to the point where I've got nothing left. My wisdom is not enough. My intellect is not enough. My resources aren't enough. My gifts aren't enough. The barrel is empty. 
You look to the heavens and you say, God, I need you. It's in those moments where we grow the most. It's when we're going through suffering and pain and loss. And we're forced to trust in him. Don't back away from those opportunities. Don't miss God's purpose for your life. I hear this time and time again where people go, I don't know what the purpose of of my life is. I don't know what God wants to do with me. And you might be that person this very morning. You might be sitting here and going and looking at me and going, this guy knows what, what God's called him to, right? It's to be a part of this church plant. And man, what a lucky, because I don't, I don't know what God is doing with me. I'll make it plain to you. I have the answer. God wants you to love him and to love others. If you're sitting here and wondering, I wonder what the purpose of, for my life is. It's to love God and to love others. We see this in Matthew 12. When one of the scribes comes up to Jesus and asks him, what's the, what's the most important commandment? Matthew 12, verse 28 to 31. I'll read from 29. Jesus answers, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. If you're trying to figure out what is the purpose for my life, love God, love people. Oh no, it can't be that simple. It is. Because then when I tell you that, then the next question I ask you is where do you work? Oh, I'm an accountant at Deloitte. Great. Go love God and love people at Deloitte. Where do you live? East of Pretoria, great. Go love God and love people in the east of Pretoria. What do you love doing? I heard that, so I'll use it. CrossFit. I'll take that, amen. So go love God and go love people at CrossFit. So often we, we're sitting there and we're going, oh, I don't know what to do. I'm hearing this. I'm hearing that we're supposed to be courageous and we're to take a leap of faith, but I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm waiting for God to speak to me to tell me what is the purpose for my life. He's already said it. Love God and love people wherever you are. And as you do that, the Lord will begin to make it clear to you. He'll begin to make it specific for you. As you're on this journey, taking step after step after step in faith. See, the thing about being courageous is that it's going to require us to take some risk. Because there's no such thing as a risk free faith, it doesn't exist. We have to trust God. We have to look at the uncertainty that lies ahead and trust God. And when that happens, you'll realize you'll actually become more obedient. See, taking a leap of faith requires you to trust God, which leads to obedience. It leads to obedience. We see this again in in, in Abraham. I'm going to read this to you. It's not up on the screen, but, but, but listen to this. Where there's uncertainty in Abraham's life. But he, he chooses to trust God. It makes him obedient. And then watch what happens. So Genesis chapter 22. This is the story of Abraham taking Isaac up the mountain to sacrifice him as God had requested. Verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning. I love that. Again, we see him. God speaks. He moves. 
God speaks, he moves. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took his hand, the fire and the knife. So they, went, so they both went together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Now picture yourself there. Be a fly on the wall, if you will. Abraham with his son, who he has waited years for. God promised him. The boy eventually comes. God says to him, Abraham, I want you to go sacrifice your son. Abraham says, you know what? When God speaks, I move. So he takes his boy and they start this journey. They get to a place where those who had accompanied Abraham and Isaac, Abraham goes, listen, I need you guys to stay here. It's just Isaac and I that are going to go up. Isaac is now walking and going, hold on. Pops, uh, the fire is here, the, the wood is here, the knife is here, everything that we need is here, but where's the lamb that we're going to sacrifice to God? Listen to Abraham's response. Genesis chapter 22, verse 8. Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. Abraham's response was that God will provide. I don't know the plan. There's tons of uncertainty. But what I do know is that God will provide. I have no idea what it's going to look like, but God will provide. That's a promise that he's made to each and every one of us who has crossed the line of faith, is that he will provide. And nine out of ten, it's never the way you think he'll provide. It's never. I said this to our city group this past week as we were discussing last week's sermon. And I said this, this planting of this church is one of the, the greatest steps of courage I've ever taken. And I know that God is providing because when I look in the room, like I'm standing here looking in the room and I'm going, because I would have never imagined any of you guys and not in a bad way, but like I'm blown away by how God has provided. God has brought individuals from different backgrounds and different cultures, different ethnicities, different gifts. And he has provided. We know as the story continues that, that as Abraham is about to sacrifice, as walking in obedience... God stops him and he says, I have provided for you. There is a ram that you are to sacrifice. God acknowledged Abraham's obedience. In the midst of uncertainty, we're called to trust. And that leads to a life of obedience. Because whatever God calls you to, he will provide think of it like this. It's like going to a restaurant, being called to a restaurant, being invited to this restaurant that is unbelievably expensive, sitting there and ordering the most expensive meal on the menu and being so comfortable because the guy that invited you is going to pay for it. You're so certain. You, you just know. He would have never called me to this place because he knows my circumstances. He knows my challenges. He knows I don't have enough money to be here but yet he calls me. He calls me to this restaurant. We order the finest on the menu and I know that he's paying for it. I know that he'll provide for it. That's God in your life. You have nothing to offer. Nothing of value to offer. God says, just show up. I've got you. I'll cover you. We see that on the cross. 
through Jesus, through His Son, that our lives, our lives could never, never, ever, ever be enough for what was needed. The wrath that was poured out on Jesus, that was meant for us, none of us could take that. God says, don't worry, I got this. I'll provide. The third point, if we want to take a leap of faith, if we want to be courageous, the the third point that we must understand is that we're not to dwell on our past failures. Don't dwell on your past failures. The scriptures tell us time and time again that all of us have sinned. All of us fall short of the glory of God. All of us. But you see, we, we are called to acknowledge our shortcomings. We are called to acknowledge our sin and then to confess it. To come before God and to say, you know what? I failed. I have failed. Here are my sins. To lay them at the foot of the cross. And to trust that He is faithful to forgive. We shouldn't dwell on our past failures. Because as long as you hold on to your past mistakes, it will be difficult for you to look into the future with courage. And and that's what the devil wants. He, He wants you to dwell on your past, to dwell on your failures, to dwell on your sin. And when you do that, it keeps you from looking forward and saying, this is, God has a future. He has a, a plan for you. He, he wants to use you to advance his kingdom. And so we need to release the past to God and to live in the newness that is found in Jesus Christ. We need to do that for others. We need to encourage others. So often we we walk into small groups or we walk into conversations and we hear people talking about their sin. Oh man, back in the day, if you knew me, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if God will use me because man, my, my past. We need to point people to Jesus. We need to point people to the cross because Hebrews 8.12 says this. God speaking, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. I will remember their sins no more. So who are we to remember other people's sins? Shame on us. Shame on us. We're to look to people and to go, you know what, if you've acknowledged your sin, if you've confessed your sin, If Christ is in you, that's who God sees. A new creation. And that's who God uses. See, if we dwelt on our past failures, I don't think the stories that we read in the Old Testament would be there. Because as as amazing as Abraham's story is, Abraham doubted. God made a promise to him and said, I'm going to give you a son. And they waited, and they waited, and they waited. And then he probably went, you know what? Maybe we need to help God out a little bit. Because it looks like nothing's happening. And so they made their own plans. Like many of us do. We make our own plans. Because we want to be in control. We want to sit on the throne that only God should sit on. And so Abraham had Ishmael. David committed adultery and murdered someone. He, he, he plotted this, this, this plan where someone was murdered. Paul. Had Paul dwelt on his past failures, he, he, we wouldn't have the New Testament like we have it. If Paul had gone, you know what? Man, I don't know if God will use me because if, if you knew me before I came to Jesus... Man, I was persecuting the church. I was part of of Christians being killed. 
but he doesn't dwell on his past failures. He acknowledges them and he confesses to God. And he lives in the newness that is found in Jesus Christ. I'm calling all of us to live in the newness that is found in Jesus Christ, that you are a new creation. Brothers and sisters, you are not the sum total of your mistakes. That is not your identity. But rather your identity is in Christ. What areas of your life are you struggling to release to God? What past failures are you struggling to release to God? What is that that one thing where you go, man, if people knew, if people knew what I, I did 10 years ago, if people knew who I was five years ago, if people knew what I did yesterday, what is that thing that has gripped your heart and is keeping you from trusting God and taking that leap of faith and going, you know what, God loves to use people like me. He loves to use people like me. The last thing, if we're going to talk about taking a leap of faith, if we want to talk about being courageous, I have to tell you this. I have to tell you this. Don't quit too soon. If you're going to be that individual who is going to take a leap of faith, who's going to choose to trust God and be courageous, it's going to be hard. I'm telling you this now so that that five years from now, ten years from now, tomorrow, you're not sitting there going, man, this is, I don't know if I can do this. This is way too hard. And then quit. Don't quit too soon. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be hard. Those who choose a life of obedience, sin is going to be knocking at your door daily. Daily. Even though you've crossed the line of faith, even though your eternal position is with Jesus, seated at the right hand of the Father, this this is what sin wants to do. It wants to keep you from having an influence for the kingdom. Because they they know that that you you are now in the arms of God. And so there's nothing that he can do to you. The sin and, and the devil, there's nothing that he can do to you but keep you from having an impact for the kingdom. And so sin will be knocking at your door. Temptation will be knocking at your door. It's going to be hard It's going to be challenging, but don't quit too soon. I hope that you would have a life like Paul, where he comes to the end of his life, and this is what he writes in 2 Timothy. He's he's been through it all, been shipwrecked, beaten. Brother went into a city to preach the gospel because he wanted to be obedient. He was courageous. They beat him, dragged him out, and left him there for dead. Woke up and went back into the city because he's like, listen, God's not finished. God is not finished. It's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. But don't quit too soon. I hope that you would end your life with these words. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I hope that that's what you would say at the end of it all. That you would not look back and go, I've wasted it. I've wasted it. I could have. I should have. No, but I I hope that you would look back and go, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I'm done. I've kept the faith, Lord. That you would enter heaven so exhausted because of the life that you've lived for his glory. That you would enter into his rest and truly enjoy it. That's my hope for you. That's my hope for every believer in Christ. There's work to be done. It requires courage. It's going to be difficult. Don't quit too soon. I'll close with this. As I've looked through the scriptures, 
And I've, as I've prepared for the series, I've noticed that often a leap of faith, this, this leap of faith that we talk about, right? In our minds, we think, man, it's, it's standing here and then just going, I'm going to take this giant leap. Often a leap of faith is made up of small steps of courage. It's actually made up of small steps of courage. When we, we look at these, these people in the scriptures that we love and adore, it was for David small steps of courage as a shepherd. Tending to the sheep and then maybe a, a wolf or a bear shows up. It's that small step of courage where he goes, you know what, I have to protect these sheep. It's small steps of courage towards Goliath. That when we look at it, we go, man, what a leap of faith. No, 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 he's been taking small steps of courage throughout his life. For Abraham, it's small steps of courage up the mountain. Very small steps of courage up the mountain with his boy Isaac. When we look at Moses, it's small steps of courage that got him to stand in front of Pharaoh and say, God says you need to let these people go. We can peel back small steps of courage over 40 years. Moses spent 40 years as a shepherd before God said, you know what, you're ready. Many of us want to take this leap of faith. We look at the scriptures and we go, you know what, that's the life I want. I want a King David story. I want an Esther story. I want a the disciples story. And we don't realize that it's small steps of courage every day. And that's where God says, come, let's go. I have plans for you. We're going to impact this world for his glory and for his kingdom. I want to close this morning in taking, taking communion together. I find this unbelievably uh, necessary for the church to do this as regularly as possible because that itself is a small step of courage. For many of us, it's a small, just the act of partaking in communion, the, the wine and the bread, uh, what, what the symbolism of Jesus' body broken for us and his blood shed for us, partaking in that is small steps of courage. Because I don't know your situation. I don't know how you walked in here this morning. Maybe dwelling in the sins of your past. Maybe anxious about what lies ahead and not trusting God. Needing to come before the Father and saying, you know what, I, I need to acknowledge my sin, my shortcomings. I need to confess them to you. This requires a small step of courage. To look beyond yourself and go, I desperately need the Father. I need His love. I need His grace. I need His mercy. That's a small step of courage. But you might be in the room here and go, you know what, I have never done that. I've never crossed this line of faith that you talk about. I've never given my life to Jesus that that itself is a call for a step of courage. To come and say, you know what, I'm not the master of my own life. I'm not in control of my own life. That I am in desperate need of a Savior. I need to put my faith in something bigger than I am. That's a step of courage. And so I'm going to call the band up. And they're going to play for us as we, as we partake in communion. And, and we, here at Rooted Fellowship, we practice an open table. And what I mean by that is you don't have to be a, a regular attender of Rooted to partake in communion. But rather that you would be a Christian. That's what the scriptures call us to, is that you should have crossed the line of faith. Be it five, ten years ago, or be it this very morning. There's an opportunity for you to cross the line of faith. There's an opportunity for you to take a step of courage towards Jesus. And so on the night that Jesus was to be betrayed, he's hanging out with his disciples. He takes the bread, lifts it up and gives thanks to the Father. Breaks it and says to his disciples, this is my body broken for you.
talking about what was about to happen on the cross. My body broken for you. After that, he takes the wine and lifts it up and gives thanks to the Father. And he says this, this is the blood of the new covenant. That something amazing was about to happen. People of the Old Testament had looked to this promise that God had made where he said, I'm going to send you a Savior who will die for you and reconcile you to me. Whatever you've done in your past will be forgiven at the cross. It's the blood of the new covenant. As the scriptures tell us that we're to partake in this regularly as a reminder as a reminder of the sacrifice that has been made for us. And so we do that in remembrance of Jesus Christ. And I want you to hear this. I, I really feel that someone here needs to hear this. No matter what you've done, or no matter what's been done to you, it is not beyond the forgiveness of the cross. Hear that this morning. And so I'm going to pray. And after I pray, I want you guys, whenever to go up and it's all set up there. The bread is there and the the juice and the wine and to partake in communion. And as you do that, remember the sacrifice that's been made. And so, Father, we come together having spoken about this leap of faith that we see in Scripture, but the reality being that it's made up of small steps of courage. That we are anchored in you, trusting in you, that allows us to be obedient to you, even in the midst of uncertainty. Father, I think of your son, Jesus. Before the cross, he he comes to you, pleading to you, realizing his need for you. Father, we come with that same heart. We need you. So would we reflect for but a moment and ask the question where are we in relation to you our relationship with you where are we and would you give us courage to take steps towards you in Jesus name Amen